You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. All right. We are live with episode, uh, gosh, 11 now of uh, Sagas no. and Sass. Like, I can't believe we've been doing this. This is our 11th episode. I know that that's not, that's nothing compared to some like podcasts and stuff, but like, I, we've been doing this for a while now. We're, we're finally in our double digits and um, we're breaking away from the main uh <clears throat> Grishaverse books that have been published so far for a little bit of a break to discuss Language of Thorns, um, which is also technically a Grishaverse book, but it is a book of fables essentially um, set in that world. Uh, some of them are kind of meant like the Two Clever Fox is one that's actually mentioned in the uh, original Grisha trilogy. Um, and of course, there's, there's Little Knife, which uh, I guess is gives um one of the rivers i think in it's no no in ravka and ravka its name um so they're all set in the world some of them we've actually heard tell of in uh the you know novels themselves but um so yeah we're going to be discussing language of thorns uh, i'm tara uh, i can be found across the web at a geek saga and we have our usual hosts nick at nick popio and nami at nami sparrow with us tonight and then uh jonathan um could not join us unfortunately but we have a special guest seth who was with Hello. us uh for the holiday episode and has a million podcasts himself i do i'll talk about those at the end probably all right um, well, yeah, because we do have, I mean, how many stories are in this book? Seven? Yes, seven delightful stories. Yes, yeah, seven seven stories. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I, I actually, I got, I think I got a pre-release copy of this book. I can't remember. I've gotten several Grishaverse books as like a pre, like I've gotten pre-releases of them to review. I can't remember if this was one of them, but um, I, I, kind of wouldn't have really known about it otherwise. Uh, I think there there wasn't a ton of hype about about this one. And that's really sad because while I actually think there's less hype for this one than there was for Lives of the Saints. And I, this one is by far the better of the two books, if you ask me. Um, it's got like some really, really beautiful art throughout. And oh, uh, yeah, and, it, it, and yeah, the fact that the art like grows around the stories, like literally around the edges of the pages Ooh. as they are told is just so lovely. Well, um, I, I didn't know that. I actually, so I've only ever read it as an ebook. And oh, okay. Oh, oh no. yeah. Oh man, oh. I, guess, I guess I need to actually buy the book now because that sounds gorgeous. And like Lives of Saints is so pretty to look at and it's yeah. like, prettier. And like yeah, this this one only has a couple full page illustrations, but yeah, the the um the, the ones that are, are around the pages, and I can't really reach it without taking off my headphones. The ones that are around the pages of the stories, like I said, they it starts with just like in the corners, and as the story is told, they grow around the pages, and it's just it's very, very pretty and and yeah, they're they're just very lovely. Um I swear, like I, I moved out here, and I'm, you know, I'm living with somebody who has kids now. They're older, but the first like two books they saw me reading when I moved out here were like illustrated, like what looks like children's books. Yeah. 
this. Like, it's okay. I've also got this 1200 page, like rhythm of war tome by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, I figure we'll jump right in. And, and with this one, I think it would just be, you know, good to just discuss them one by one in the order that they're, you know, in the book, probably the easiest way to make sure we hit all the high points and everything. Um, but, uh, the, the, there's very dark, some of them are really like, are any of them not dark? Like some of them have not bad endings, but I think they're they all, all have very, no, they're, dark, all, they're, like, they're all pretty dark. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're all, all like, they definitely take like the Grimm's fairy tale version of fairy tales versus like the right. Disney version of fairy tales that we got. And I really liked that because it was like, it's very much the type of stories that people would tell their kids to be like, this is a moral story. And like, and like you should learn something from this. So it like it makes sense that these are like the fairy tales that these kids know because like I don't know, man. Anytime like there's an actual story that like old people in your family tell you, it's usually something vaguely creepy with a moral. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. real. Um yeah, and, and some of them are definitely though way darker than others. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, or they start but, out kind of nice and then they get super dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one, Ayama and the Thornwood, um, very obviously, it, I mean, it begins with, oh, there's this prince and uh, I think it's, he's a prince and, and everybody loves him and he marries a commoner and everybody loves him more for marrying the commoner. And then I think this, this is that one. I hope I'm yeah, doing it that, right. This is the one, yep. Yep. And and um, they have one, you know, handsome, perfect son, and then they have a second son, and the second son is monstrous, and he's uh, he's got like horns, I think, and 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 like he's like, but he's also like a wolf, um, but it's very, you know, they they to hide him away, they build a labyrinth in the you know underground like basement of the castle, and so it's very obviously like you know loosely inspired by the Minotaur and his labyrinth uh, stories. <laughs> Listen, guys, I get it. Furries can be intimidating, but if your child is a furry, don't trap them in a labyrinth. That's not that's not the solution. Well, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a hard time doing anything underground in those costumes, you know. <laughs> J.K. Um, furries, but also like that that was right there. I had to take it, yeah. <laughs> especially with like his ambiguous animal features. Yeah, and and, and I I'm sure like. I did a little, I, I didn't really, I meant to do some research on these as we kind of discussed before uh, we went live and I didn't get to do as much research as I wanted. So most of them, the inspiration notes that I have are, are very basic and, and literally just come from, you know, what I already knew again, this one being, you know, he's, he's got horns, you know, he's not quite a minotaur cause he's not a, he's not bull he's wolf essentially yeah. but he does have horns and they build him a they build him a maze in the basement and and hide him away um and then uh then there's also on the other side of the story is ayama who's this little girl who's born into a family uh and and she's basically cinderella well like in yes. terms of in terms of like they make her do work and she's just she's covered in ashes you know yes, what i mean that's, so. that's true um, uh, but it's it's important it's important to the story and i think just generally to note that she's not pretty yes and yes. that she she never grows up to be that the whole the whole ugly duckling thing does not happen yeah 
Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and like, I, again, like some of these stories are very clearly like have, have a super solid basis in a story that we know. And this one is, is one that definitely doesn't because it's just like, it's all over the place. He's got the Minotaur in the labyrinth. We've got Cinderella, but only really because she's made to work in, you know, work in the house and do like, do all the housework, do all the, all the farm work. And, and she's covered in ashes all the time, you know? Um, but her her older sister, who is beautiful and perfect, is very kind to her. Yes. Um. You know. So her her parents, you know, kind of, she almost like doesn't exist for them. Um. But then you know, there's also her grandmother, who maybe isn't. It it seems like she's not being nice to her, but in the end, she turns out to be basically her. I don't want to call her a fairy godmother. It's not really that. It's just a, it's a wise old woman. You yeah. Know what I mean, I, like trope. Like her grandmother's basically like, "Yep, I'm gonna treat you like this because it's gonna make you tough, and you're gonna turn out all right." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always a great way to treat like all <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nick said, "Always a great way to treat your children," and it's like, yeah, no, we all know it's not. But you know, I mean, in this story, it works out, I guess, for the better, which is like, okay. <laughs> but um. But yeah, this is, you know, this one is not, I, I don't dislike any of the stories in this book. This one's not one of my favorite ones only because it like, it seems kind of, it, it, it's, it's, this one's kind of predictable. Um, you know, they, they, the king, the, the minotaur gets loose is the, is the, you know, and also, I guess I should have warned everybody. If you haven't read *Language of Thorns*, there are going to be some spoilers, and yes, massive, there massive are. Spoilers. Yeah, there, there are spoilers for this book. You know, like every single story has like what is pretty much a major spoiler um, that we can't, you know, avoid talking about. But yeah. uh, in this one, it starts out where we're led to believe that the Minotaur. Uh, such as the, the 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 prince, I guess the monstrous prince gets loose, uh, and he's murdering a bunch of people and animals and horrible, bad, whatever. Um, but he's destroying crops. Yes, yes, yeah. destroying crops, and and you know they they can't find anybody. They they send you know soldiers to go take care of him, and he kills all the soldiers, and then they can't find anybody else to go, and. Uh, Ayama's family pushes her to go because like, you know, Hey, like you go do this. And like, then your sister, your older, your beautiful older sister, whose name I can't remember right now, um, will, will get everything she wants. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll get money for her. And, and then later they send her, you know, she goes, she ends up going several times and they, each time the King promises her, you know, more and more things, um, you know, but it's all, it's all meant, you know, from her parents' perspective, to be for her sister, not for Ayama herself. Um, so in a way, she is very self-sacrificing. She does care about her sister, and she goes and faces, you know, this monster in his thornwood um, alone. Three times. Yeah, That's yeah. The, it's like we're hitting that. I don't, I don't want to gush, but uh, <laughs> no, do it, gush. Lee Bardugo mm. did these so well. She did. Uh, that they they actually seem like, like like if you just read them without context, they would read like folk tales. They'd be a little bit darker and a little bit weirder than what you usually imagine. But uh, if you don't know, the Victorians got into our folk and fairy tales and uh, screwed them up big time. So you know, everybody talks about how dark they were. Like originally, that's 
how these read. But uh, every motif she throws in, like, it's, oh, well, it's a folktale. So it's the younger daughter. It's the one that everybody uh, dismisses. It's the one, who, the self-sacrificing one, uh, the one that um, that nobody notices. She's the one to go out and do this. And she has to go to the wood three times. And what's delightful about this, it, it, is, it is not her purity of spirit that causes the monster to treat her um well uh it's it's something else which i'll hold on to for a little bit right now but anyway i i i love this book um yeah yeah i mean well nick and i mean do you guys have any thoughts about like and 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 i guess you said you'll you'll hold on to it but you're right i, I don't think we have to hold on to it like for okay. me well and and to be honest we might all we might all see it a little bit differently for me uh it's her ability to spin a good yarn yeah. to tell a good story yeah um that's well, that's what it is really that and on that note you know we i don't think it's as rooted well i think it is as rooted as some of the other influences but you get a little hint of um thousand and one arabian nights from that too yeah yes. having to tell yep. stories to save your life yep um because she specifically goes to bargain with the beast um and to get him to stop you know a, making the crops dry up or whatever and uh, whatever it is he's been accused of. And his, his price is a story that entertains him. And so she has to tell, and if she doesn't entertain him, he's going to murder her. Yeah. So that's his, that's the bargain that she makes. And uh, so it was nice to see that influence as well. There's also just a bare hint of the princess bride in that, mm -hmm. Good night, Ayama. Most likely kill you in the morning. Like that kind of <laughs> Yeah, I do I do feel like like I said, there's there's some very obvious inspirations for these, and there's definitely some little minor ones that are uh they're there, but they're not as obvious that you just you kind of pick up as you go along. Um and yeah, I didn't I I I don't think the stories that she tells as in the of themselves aren't necessarily very important, but it's the fact that she is able to tell them in such a way. And, and also, you know, cause the point is like the, the, the monster monstrous prince, I don't know what we want to call him. Um, he like the beast. Yeah. The beast. Yeah, oh, he, he, yeah. The, the non beauty and the beast. Um, he, he, you know, he's like, well, this story is going to end this way. So like, I'm going to kill you now, basically. Um, and each time she adds a twist to the story that didn't exist in the first place, uh, you know, cause they're all, they're all the stories that she's telling are all like little moral stories that, that, you know, she's been told by, I think her grandmother and, you know, but she twists the ending so that they're not what is expected. Um, so again, a lovely storyteller uh, in her own right, but also, you know, she's, she's, showing the beast that she's not uh that she she's not just like parroting things you know to him that she was told so and she's good at improv yes yeah, yeah. better than i would be if i had a beast about herself yeah um since i i don't have to hold on to it i guess i i i won't uh at the the end of the story um there's a there's a magical there's a magical river uh, in the wood where the beast uh, has its lair, and she has to drink from it. And the beast warns her that if she drinks from it, she'll become a monster like him. Mm. And at the end of the 
the story, she has chosen to do that. She becomes a monster. And I, I, I think it's it's not only, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think it's not only the fact that she's a good storyteller. It's the Beast recognizes something in her that's in him. He He recognizes sort of, if not an essential monstrousness, a wish to be monstrous. I think it's more of a belief that she already is because she's been told yeah. all of her life that she's, you know, nothing basically. She's not pretty like her sister. She's, she's, uh, you know, essentially just a servant in her family, despite the fact that she's their daughter. And why, why be ignored in a servant? If you could be, you know, why be an ugly human? If you could be a pretty cool looking monster. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of it for me. It's it has something of the same vibe as all the memes about if you didn't want us to be queer, you shouldn't have queer coded all the villains. Yeah, yep. that's yep. Shigo. Um, well, and and uh, well, and actually, the the I there's a quote that that fits that you know point pretty well. Um, it's uh, some people are born with a piece of night inside and that hollow place can never be filled, not with all the good food or sunshine in the world. The emptiness cannot be banished. And so some days we wake with the feeling of the wind blowing through and we must simply endure it. Um, and I feel like that's, that's more of a reflection on like depression in my yeah. mind, but also yeah. it, it yeah. The, the, the bit, the thing about the bit of night inside like that, even though that quote as a whole could certainly be taken as, as a reference to depression. I think that bit about the, the night inside specifically is like that little like monstrous part of you. That's like, that could be anything like, and it could be something bad. I mean, let's be real. The, the, the beast, the monster, he's not a good guy, you no. know, like he did kill a bunch of people. Now, granted it was, you know, uh, he, he was trying to save himself and everything. Um, they were coming right for him. Yeah, he's he's not totally evil necessarily, but um, you know, but but he's not good either. Uh, and and you know, and 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 honestly, I can't. But the thing is, you can't even say neither is Ayama because everything she does, she does for her sister. You know, and and like she gets to the, of course she gets to the end and i don't right. we, i don't want to spend too too much time talking about every one of these cuz there's so many of them yeah. so she gets to the end and she uh you know she's supposed to kill the beast obviously she doesn't and instead uh she goes back to court and calls out the king because it's become clear to her um I can't, I can't remember if the beast like straight up told her or if it just became clear from the things he was saying that uh, the, the king let him out. Oh, like, he, he, he says at the end yeah. of the book that he's like, that with the exception of killing the soldiers who were trying to kill him, every disaster that this little kingdom has undergone has been down to the king. Right. Well, I mean, and there's there's hints throughout where it's like, well, if, if people are starving, if their crops are destroyed, why isn't the king giving them food? Yeah, right. From his stores. So so yeah, there's definitely hints throughout that that there's something deeper there than just this monster, you know, ravaging the countryside. Um, but so in the end, you know, the king is is the bad guy. He let them he let the beast out on purpose, and they go back and confront him, and uh, you know, and and. I think that how did you guys feel about the way it ended? Um, because 
her sister, whose name I still can't remember, and I literally got out this book to see if I could like find it real quick. And I, it's just, it's mentioned so few times. Um, but uh, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. It, but anyway, it, it's her name is mentioned so few times because she's obviously not like the main character. But like in the end, like I, I believe she, Kima, Kima, she yeah. marries, yeah, she marries the prince. Um, and they leave the throne and Ayama and the beast rule the kingdom and rule it well. Yeah. Actually. Well, the, the beast, if, if anything is presented as definitely being ruthless, which is, or can be a good quality in a king. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in need, yes. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm just saying that there were certain people who were not ruthless who were, say, put in positions of power and it didn't end well for them. Ned! I'm sorry. That's just a little something caught in my throat. Yeah. Um, I mean... Something, something it, got a little stark there? Yeah, it got a little stark for a it's, minute. I mean, it specifically says that they were loved by their people and feared by their enemies, so... Um, I like yeah, it. it. It's it's yeah. It's a good little. It's a good I little. I wasn't expecting a successful crew at the end of the story, but I got <laughs> like yeah. nice, nice. Well, yeah, of course we weren't expecting a coup. We were all. I mean, at the very least, Kima's going to marry the prince, and they're going to rule. But I, I, I like that. That's this was like this. Like I said, this is one of the more positive stories because like the bad guy gets his due, and. You know, yes, Ayama is monstrous now, but she—that was her choice. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, and and I and phrase. I wouldn't say this is one of the positive stories. I would say this is a positive story. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there, there's, there's one other one that has a decent ending. I think it's actually the Two Clever Fox, which is the next I one. Mean, but yeah, so yeah. A, not that ending. This one's a good ending. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I it it's a, it's I almost feel like. Maybe we should have, this story should have like been the last one in this book because they just get like, I feel like they get just progressively longer and darker as it goes on. Although there's one that that is, I think, technically the darkest, but that, that's kind of a smack in the middle. But anyway, um, yeah. so I'm pretty yeah. sure we agree on that one, Tara. Yeah. So uh, any last thoughts about Ayama and the Thornwood? Uh, this is on? actually my favorite. Uh, I believe it made me cry both times that I read it. So Aww. yeah, yeah. Uh, none of these made me cry necessarily, but this next one upset me in, in a lot of ways. Um, it's the Two Clever Fox, yeah. which there's a lot of references to in uh, the original Grisha trilogy because uh, Alina keeps referring to Nikolai as the Two Clever Fox because she thinks when she first meets him as Stormhunt that he looks like the Two Clever Fox. Uh, his eyes, you know, are very like wise, I think. And it's, there's something like rakish about his face and whatnot. Um, He's a sneaky redhead. That's. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so this one, the, the basic inspiration is. Sneaky ways. What, what Navi? You gingers and your sneaky ways. <laughs> Um, so this one, the very basic inspiration for it is like, it's a trickster story. Um, and, and also a story featuring again, this very obviously by the title, a too clever creature mm -hmm. who pays a price for, for his arrogance, which I think like, that's kind of, you know, it's going to happen, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, for me, I certainly didn't expect it to be what it was. Um, so, so the Fox, you know, He's he, he's a trickster. He goes around. He he tricks a 
he tricks a bear into letting, or he trick, he, yeah, he, he gets caught by a bear at one point and like he convinces the fleas living on the bear to like attack the bear and the bear like lets him go and then the fleas can come live on him for a year, et cetera. So, so he goes through, he's always stealing things from local farmers and, and whatnot. Um, which also felt like a little, a little bit like Fox and the Hound mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Uh, um, but have, have you read when he was Fantastic Mr. Fox? Fox? Oh, sorry. What, Nami? A little bit Robin Hood as well. Like the version of Robin Hood when he is literally a fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what were you going to say, Seth? Uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox by Roald Dahl. Um, yep. I, I read it a very long time ago. I remember yeah. very little of it, but I yeah. read it. Um, I, mean, I think the twist in this one was one of the most effective ones, honestly. Like, mm. this is the one where, mm. with the exception of one other, I really did not see it coming. Yeah. And basically, like, like you find out that, like, the hunter that's been, like, taking the pelts of all of these, like, really smart creatures isn't, like, the main, like, scary dude human character. It's his sister! Who's, who's been... Every time she's on the page, she's portrayed as being in abject fear of her brother, mm -hmm. miserable, and just dying to get away from him. Um, so she's... Uh, very good sociopathic actor is what I would yes. say. Oh, Tara, since you have the book out, do you want to show a couple of pages of how the, the art progresses in this story? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for those of you listening to this as a podcast, I apologize, but if you have never seen the art in this book, you definitely need to take a look. So in Ayama and the Thornwood, it starts with uh, a castle and it grows um, and it starts with a castle and then a beast in the other corner with the thorns growing out of it and out of the castle grows a maze. And then in the end, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like a complete, like the maze and the thorns meet together at the tops and bottoms of the pages. And then in Too Clever Fox, it begins with just like the fox and his buddies just chilling there and it uh, grows. And then the bear comes in um, and then like it, and the bear, and then like it goes to like the, the fur coat of, of the person who's killing animals and it grows throughout until uh, like all the creatures of the forest are kind of included. Um, this one, the the fox, the two clever fox art is probably like the most disappointing in that it's like, I feel like there wasn't really like it's it's you know I guess from one end it's like you see the coat of the of the person who's killing all the animals growing around the edge, and then on the other edge is the animals who, I guess, are still alive. It, it's a little bit this one. The art in this one is a little bit vague, um, but you know, as as Nami was saying, this one definitely surprised me too. And I think in this one, it's it's very much like a reminder to not always assume that the person you think is the victim is the victim and yeah. not in not in a victim blaming way let me be very clear but in a like you just you know you just never know you know also, what i mean like, like, like sociopaths exist like yes oh yeah right right like to just like never like to always think twice about like what people tell you and to like sort of just be cautious with who you trust because uh sociopath yes yeah yeah that i mean because cool. again a part and also and also part of this is like the fox is arrogant and he you know he comes to his conclusion very you know quickly most of it is honestly based on rumor 
yeah. uh, at first until he talks to uh, Sophia, I believe is her name, um, until he talks to her himself. And then he is tricked by her, of course. But, um, but uh, you know, it, it, when he meets her and he speaks with her the first time, you know, and he's trying to convince her to get away from her evil brother who's killing all the animals, uh, he, he, he is thinking, you know, he... He knew what it was to be caught in a trap. Sophia had lived that way a long while, and a lesser cre creature uh, might choose to live in fear rather than grasp at freedom. And and that is that's a very like uh, important point for sure. Um, but you know, Sophia tricks him because. Like she says, it's always the same trap. You longed for conversation. The bear craved jokes. The gray wolf missed music. The boar just wanted someone to tell her troubles to. The trap is loneliness and none of us ex escape it, not even me. Um, it's funny that she says none of them escape it, not even her, because like weird. I, I mean, even at the end, she goes to live yeah, after, after, thank, thank God, she's caught out and uh, just in time the fox's little bird friend uh, saves him uh, from Sophia's grasp. Like they, she, she ends up being sent to live with the widows or old women or whatever, who she'd been bringing food or whatever to, but like she was apparently never kind to them. So they're just, they're, they're kind of like not cool to her. Like, uh, I don't know. It's it's like they they take her in because she brought them things, but like they actually don't like her because she's kind of extra. <laughs> yeah, begrudgingly take her in because the bird the bird friend pecked her eyes out. Let's mm -hmm. let's be clear about this. Mm. Bird bird friend took her eyes. Which that's actually from Cinderella too, by the way. Yep. Like yes. the, the original Cinderella story, the 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 birds peck out the uh, stepsister's eyes. So. Yeah. I think it's so funny that like she talks well not funny i think it's ironic that she talks about loneliness and being lonely and that she literally wraps herself in the bodies of others yeah um ma yeah i mean ma'am if you want a hug you just ask you don't need to take their flesh and hug the flesh yeah she speaks she just about didn't understand nami <laughs> somebody just never taught her that hugs are a thing and she thought you could only hug people <laughs> from the inside Somebody just described hugs really badly. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, well, was trying to get hugs. Yeah, she just thought that was what it was. Well, and she like like again, this comes back to like the sociopathic tendencies here. Like she thinks she knows what loneliness is for some reason, but really, mm -hmm. like even when she's you know faced with people who she could spend her time with and stuff. She's not really that kind to them. So uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's very much like, Oh, woe is me. I'm lonely too. You're so Maybe you're lonely because you're terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe you've made some. It's like a serial killer just being like, I'm just lonely. So I have to rape and murder people. Yeah. it's <laughs> Ma'am, that's not how it works. <sighs> Ma'am, you could just hug people from the outside if you're nice to them. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so you know, in the end, they do obviously like get away from her. Thank you, thanks, thanks to the little bird. Uh, Lula is her name, by the way. I'm looking at it now. I I hadn't noted it, but Lula. And so yeah, they she pecks out Sophia's eyes and. The fox is saved and they go live like a quiet life together. So he 
you know, he no longer, I think, is playing the games and, and whatnot that he used to. Uh, he's he's very much subdued, rightfully so, let's be real. Um, and the bad the bad guy gets her due. Bad, bad character, bad woman, whatever. Bad woman gets her due. Um, so this, again, this is like, a, it's got a good-ish ending. You know, it could have ended a lot worse for everybody. It's got um, a not terrible ending. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, like a lot of these have, most of these have not terrible endings, but there's so much worse yeah. things. Like, I mean, yeah, it sucks that the Fox dealt with this and everything and, and, and had his pride, you know, taken away because he was arrogant. Honestly, he, he needed to learn a lesson too, but at the same time, it's Who like. Who cares about pride? You could have been skinned. <laughs> Um, so that, yeah, so that one's not, I, I, I feel like that one especially is pretty self-explanatory, but is there anything else you guys wanted to mention about it? Um, I, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. It's, it's a nice sort of neat little story that's sort of tied up in a bow and you, you sort of, you get it and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sociopaths are really terrifying. <laughs> uh, and then you can sort of read it and move on. Um. Unlike the next story in the book. Yeah. This is, this this, is the one that bothers me. Is a piece of work. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, let's do content warning right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, because there's some, there's some yeah. stuff. Okay, so we're done with the Two Clever Fox, which, by the way, was actually one... Two of these stories, at least, were pre like published by Lee as, like, little extras... Uh, prior to this book ever, like years, I think, yeah. prior to this yeah. book ever coming out, and the two clever foxes, one of them. I, I haven't little nice uh, looked up one. I don't know it what is. the third one was. Was there three of them? Okay. Um, it doesn't surprise me that Little Knife was one of them because, again, that's like the name of the river in Ravka. Um, but it definitely wasn't this one. This one, like. This one was one where, like, I knew something was up. I knew we weren't getting the whole story because, like, you assume the bad guy is the bad guy, and but it's mm -hmm. like, no, it's too much. Everything's too perfect here. So this one is called the Witch of uh, Duva. I, I think it's Duva. I, I feel like it's that's probably the best way to pronounce it. Um, <sighs> and it begins. There was a time when the woods near Duva ate girls. So, like, you know, it's going to be real, uh, real cool there, real positive, real it's great. Be a fun little tale yeah. yeah and and you know let's be real it does um the inspiration for this one uh is very clearly like there's very clearly some hands on gretel uh That's inspiration really here um but not at all what you would think no no and i just i don't even know because this is this is my favorite one yeah it is it is dark and disgusting but it i think it's the best uh so i think it's 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 the best like like tale in the book um it is I think very the thing that really got to me with this one is that you like sort of pick up more details as you read it the second time mm. the thing that was most horrifying to me is that i realized that like her stepmother is essentially saving her the yeah. whole time by putting her so basically you find out that the father is a villain and the main okay. girl her father is basically raping and killing these girls and you get basically told essentially that she's on the target list eventually. And she just hasn't been yet. And yeah. 
you find that the stepmother that she loves and was that she, that she doesn't love and that everybody is suspicious of is actually putting inserting herself between the girl and her father to prevent the father from harming her from harming the girl and it's so like it's so like poetically heartbreaking in a way that is one of those things that like just like as a woman it like hit me really hard because it was like even when women are trying to protect each other like sometimes the one who is really trying to help can still be seen as evil from like the perspective of men and society and it was just really like in there but i think the thing that like really got me is there's the one scene where like the father is like knocking on her door in the middle of the night and her mom and like the stepmom literally distracts her father and they literally like get dirty like in yeah. front of her door yep. and i just oh my god like that stepmom was the mvp yeah yep <sighs> yeah yeah and, and and that's the thing though like it like i said like, you know, like the flipping of like the evil stepmom versus it's the evil birth father and the good stepmom and the yeah. mom that's like desperately trying to protect the adopted daughter who has nobody else and like i just i love that that flip-flop in the dichotomy because like let's be fair logically the the good stepmom trying to protect the daughter from a terrible father is like probably more accurate to real life than the evil stepmother well and it's especially weird like go like when you finally get to the end and i mean uh, yeah there's so, yeah, there's so much to unpack here like but at the beginning when the mother dies you know it's it's like she's described as being more ghost than woman and you think it's like just like a wasting illness maybe like yeah. cancer or something but then like they mentioned that uh the only things she would like eat were cakes made by karina the woman who becomes the stepmother and then of course karina marries her father so it's very well woven that like oh poor like the, the mother died of like a wasting illness like you know a cancer or something but then it's like wait a minute why was she only and it specifically says craving the cakes made by karina and then literally at the funeral karina is like you know just starting to like wiggle i think it's a funeral but it's very it's i have you know very yeah, soon is like already set her cap for the dad yeah yeah so then it's like oh come on you know but it Again, like reading the, the reading it the second time, I was like, "How did I just not know immediately it was the dad that was the bad guy?" Um, but the it's first time, it's guy. like you can still tell that it's you can still tell that there's something not right. You know what I mean? Like Karina, it, like everything is just too like, oh like, my god, she's too bad. Like like she's too evil. Like you know, coming like in, the whole time, it's it's pointing at her so obviously that you feel like it can't be her, mm -hmm. but like. Duh. Wow, that um, was a great insight. A plus insight. Good job. Yeah, just really good mouth words there. Yes. Mm -hmm. A plus mouth words. So good. Well, those. the other thing that I really like is that it sets it up for most of the story that there is some supernatural threat, right? Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. It's specifically that Karina is actually some kind of supernatural creature that has taken the form of a beautiful woman yeah. to like do all these horrible things. And then, you know, she 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 meets the witch. And at first she's worried that the witch is gonna do something to her. But no, it's just this horrible man who is a, a normal human man who is absolutely fucking disgusting and horrible. And 
I also appreciate that in a like grim fairy tale type story method where normally there's the supernatural thing, especially if we think about it as uh, having some origins with Hansel and Gretel. Uh, but in, in reality, it is much more likely that something, someone totally mortal, totally normal human is going to be the horrible thing lurking in this case, you know, down the hall. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really interesting way of positioning a fairy tale. And I think it's part of the reason why we maybe don't see what's coming, even though there are a lot of clues to it. If we go back and read it a second time. Well, she suckers us in. Mm -hmm. It's it's again that that her real skill in hitting the rhythms of the fairy tale so well. Yeah. And and for most of these, there is a twist at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, not unlike the stories that uh, uh, Amaya was telling at the beginning in um, um, the first story, where you get suckered into the rhythm, everything is going along as you think it should be in in this type of story, and then something happens that's not right. And that reveals uh, something else that's actually going on. Um, well, and I think that's a big, to be honest, that's the only reason I feel like the Ayama and the Thornwood was the first yeah. story. Because it's it's basically an introduction to the way these stories are going to be told. Right. With her telling the stories that she does mm -hmm. and she tells them. Um and and you know, and also I I don't want to miss talking about the witch because like yes, we're led to believe that Karina 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 is 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 the you know evil one, and then you know she uh, Nadia goes to you know, she she ends up at the house of the witch in the woods, and then it's like of course oh my gosh it's this witch in the woods, and she's like bake like baking things like like treats, and she's feeding Nadia a whole bunch, but then it very very quickly becomes clear possibly with the as soon as like the little bear the little bear on his wheels I don't understand what that was about honestly but yeah. he's cute like <laughs> and uh he sounds cute and uh you know but it becomes clear that she's not a bad guy you know she's and and then you know Nadja isn't allowed to be part of her interactions with the villagers and other people who come for her help but she you know recognizes that they are coming for help and they're receiving some sort of help um you know so so it, it's again very quickly clear that she's that the witch isn't the bad guy so the fact that it's called the witch of Duva is really also a little bit like. Right. Because we're, we're meant to suspect uh, Karina or Magda as, mm -hmm. because they're the Magda really is the titular character, but it appears that it's Karina for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the witch, I mean, there's a, there's again, there's like a, a slight hint of maybe Baba Yaga Vasilisa, but if mm. Baba Yaga were much nicer and were like looking for an apprentice, <laughs> it's Baba Yaga. Well, and that's why I think it's called the Witch of Duva is because Nadia is the, the apprentice and yeah. becomes the Witch of Duva. Right, right. Yeah, but of course, right. at the beginning, it's like there's no, yeah. you know, how could this possibly? Yeah, uh, you never guessed that. Especially with the way the, the line, the story begins, like the, the woods eight girls. Yeah. Um, and, but. Magda's actually actively trying to protect uh, Nadia from not only right. physical harm and also the effects of the famine that the village has been undergoing, uh, but 
like every time she's kind of like, I want to go back. The witch is like, um, but do you? <laughs> but didn't go then. I made another treacle pie. No, but go. <laughs> but go then. And Nadia's like, yeah, that's no, I'm not going to do that. Actually, uh, it's really snowy outside. Maybe I guess I won't. Yeah, it's a, uh, maybe not. There's there's some decent food in here. I'll just stay. It's like it's like the it's like um, the witch and and the Turkish delights and Edmund from Chronicles of Narnia, but. The good version of that. <laughs> yeah, the good version. That, the not like the not uh, like the Glinda the, version. Yes, yeah, the yeah. Glinda version. Um, and I, I just I want to describe the the reveal is like e eventually what happens is um, Nadia sees a witch create a gingerbread child for a woman, uh, and is like. What is that? What's happened? What's what are you even doing? And then later on, and this is this is one of my favorite bits where like she's like, I okay, now I need to make I need to go back and see what's going on, but she doesn't want to. So she thinks gingerbread duplicate and she talks to the witch about it and she's like, What's the price? And the witch just touches her uh ring and pinky on one of her hands which I thought was just just like a gorgeous moment mm -hmm. in the story where it's just touches the two fingers yep. and then um, the gingerbread duplicate gets made and goes back and Nadia has to keep raven eyes in her mouth or crow yes. eyes. Uh, yeah. yeah, raven or crow. I can't remember which it is. But so she, she sees birds. through the <laughs> eyes of a bird, right? So she flies back to her house and she sees her dad pull up a floorboard and get out his creepy mementos. Like, and he pulls out, like, we've been told, um, I think there are three girls that go missing over the course of the story. And yes. we're, we're told what they left. And mm -hmm. he has those like red ribbons and he's, he's got all this stuff. And then her gingerbread duplicate shows up and a bunch of really creepy stuff happens and he ends so up consuming the gingerbread duplicate while she watches. Yep. And then in another thing, like there are so many parts of the story where I want to point to it and go, that's my favorite part. But uh, his, his greed proves to be his undoing as his, he is he's poisoned essentially mm -hmm. or, and it's like couldn't ask for a nicer end for a nicer fella but yeah, there's so many parts in this story like in contrast where i just retreated further into my into my clothing and i was like oh yeah oh i'm not this saying it's not it's, it's it's creepy and oh, there no, absolutely i yeah no i i love this story too it was horrifying and wonderful and very well done and i just felt like i needed to hide in a turtleneck for safety yeah like you might have as i do a a, a different story in your this book that is your favorite but the witch of doom is the one that's going to keep you up at nights yes yeah <laughs> It really is. I, I, I mean, and at the end, it's like there's there's obvious the very obvious you know moments where you know you know what 
happened to those other girls. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and I guess like here's here's my question. Um is his consumption of the gingerbread girl uh purely symbolic of what he did to the other girls or because their bodies were never found did he actually cannibalize them oh that's, god i didn't think about that uh, that, that that was my that's that's been my question like and it's like if i could ask lee one question about this book that would be it like, I, I have to come down on the side of i think it's both yeah yeah well and I, like obviously there was other things before the the consumption the physical consumption yeah. okay yeah. so so when i say symbolic like pick the closest thing you're thinking of right yeah. now and we'll just go yeah. with that yeah. yeah so so uh yeah so like yeah the, the, i i don't want to dwell too much on this because again like this is a really there's so much to unpack in this story but also it's it's so very dark that it's like i don't really i feel like that that last question of like do we think it is purely symbolic consumption or do we think he cannibalized them is really all we need to say because <laughs> i'm going i'm 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 leaning toward the cannibal cannibalizing since no their bodies were never found but yep. i never thought about it this much but now i'm thinking about it and i agree and i hate it more yep thanks everything's fine i hate yeah. it of kuru hashtag thanks i hate it well it's okay because he he, he he was like literally rotted from the inside out. Yeah. After his consumption of the gingerbread girl that was his daughter. As so. he should. And yes, as well. And should. and Nadia gets to live with the witch and eat all the food she can eat, and, and she too becomes be, a baby witch. Be the apprentice, and yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. So she has her, you know, very <laughs> traumatic but happy ish ending. Um, witch that ends witch. Yeah. There we go. Uh, all right. So next one is uh, Little Knife, which um, I, inspiration for this one. I, we were talking about this uh, prior to going live. And Seth, you said you think it's just like a sort of three wishes. Sort I, of yeah, I think it's just story. I don't think it's any particular three wishes story. I think it's it it's it's a riff on any three wishes story and also any story where the main character has a supernatural force that does their bidding. Um, just because there's mm. the oh goodness, what is it? There's the like there's the one with the girl and the horse's head. I can't think of the name of, but yeah, there there's a bunch of like fairy tales where uh, you know, like oh, and this was the comb that her mother left her, and with it she could comb all the horses' manes and what it's anyway. But yeah, it's also an impossible task story. Mm -hmm. um, and as you might guess, there's the the hand of a princess involved, as there usually is in in these things. But uh, um, little knife is delightful. I have heard, um, I have seen quite a lot of comments lately because I've I've kind of gotten involved in the Grishaverse fandom online, and I've seen quite a lot of comments about uh, for, from fans about like. Lee Bardugo's possible obsession with beauty. Um, 
just and, and it usually is in regards to her constant like need to describe Zoya and how beautiful she is. Like every time Zoya appears on a page, okay, but Alina has a crush on Zoya, and that's why Zoya is always described as beautiful. And the real OTP was Alina and Zoya, and that's why the end. I, well, and, and I think also there's some of it that's like, oh, okay, so the Grisha use their powers and they become more beautiful as they use their powers. And then, of course, there's the Genya thing. But th this story, like, I, I do think that I'm, I'm not necessarily on the same page as that because I, I feel like I would rather have my characters described than have them be like the the sort of every man or every girl like are written into stories like twilight with bella where like she's just so she's just like no description of her she's nondescript mm -hmm. so that it just leads to readers like placing themselves into her shoes um but i mean this is i only bring that up because this story begins the whole like first like several pages is just this girl's so beautiful that she like causes fights with everybody like this girl's mm -hmm. so beautiful that like like the the uh, the mayor comes to to ask the father to do something about it and like goes nuts and like tries to sword fight his son or so, or maybe some rich guy. I don't know. Like everybody's fighting everybody else over like the possibility that they might get to marry this girl. And it's like, who is that beautiful? Like, well, I mean, she's in a fairy tale. Yeah. Well, so it's Mary Helen of Troy, which. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of like, you know, fairy tale myths of like, you know, legendary beauties. So I think it also yeah. like in a way falls into like that genre of story. The well, other thing is, Oh, I just wanted to, I, I don't think that Lee Bardugo is any more obsessed with beauty than any one of a dozen other people I could name who write fantasy books or for that matter, Hollywood. Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. Not. Yeah. For no, sure, yeah. it's like, I would have never, like, used that to describe her, especially yeah. because using this book as a touchstone for that is weird. Because fairy tales always do have some sort of like, oh yeah. Character. I don't think anybody necessarily uses this book as a touchstone. Most of the things I've seen have been about Zoya or Genya or the Grisha using their powers, making them more beautiful. Um, which, I, to be honest, to me, that's a nice thing because it literally means like, no matter what you look like when you're doing the thing that you love, you become a more beautiful person. And I think that it's it's easiest for it to be described as a physical change, but also like, I, I mean, I'll be honest, this is a weird comparison. My dog Ellie is not a beautiful dog. Okay. She's a weird looking little dog. Love her to death, but she's weird looking. But when she is happy, she gets the just biggest, stupidest grin on her. I don't know, not even stupid. It's it's like the biggest grin on her face. And she just, it's she's just all of a sudden in those moments, she is the most beautiful dog. Like I took her to see snow for the first time over the weekend. And she was grinning like that, like the whole time she was playing in the snow and she was just gorgeous. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I love her. She's cute. You know, she's adorable, but she's not a pretty dog. She's a little bit weird looking. And like when she smiles, when she's when she's doing something that makes her truly happy, like riding in the backseat of the car with me or going in the snow, apparently, which who yeah. would have known? Because she has like zero fur and is very skinny. And I thought she'd be cold, but um some but yeah. people like the cold, some dogs too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but no, it, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know, man. People are weird. They just like complaining about shit. Yeah, it's it's an odd, it's an odd tack to take. I mean, honestly, I, I'm I'm a, a good 
10 plus years out of date on this one, but I will admit, first of all, that I have not read, nor will I ever read the Twilight books, but the, the, the idea that Bella is nondescript, but yet everyone is obsessed with her. I find that a little more troubling in a number of ways. Yeah, no, it's 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 the typical strategy to take when you're giving a young girl a romantic book or any sort of book in general. Leave the protagonist nondescript enough that the girl can self-insert and then feel loved and wanted. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know if it's necessarily done on, well, I don't know if it's done on purpose. Maybe sometimes, mm -hmm. but I sometimes also- it definitely is. Yeah, I, I think with Bella, it absolutely was. Um, I'm pretty sure Bella was just Stephanie Meyer's self-insert. Like, let's be real. Right, exactly. Uh, this Twilight was clearly uh, Stephanie Meyer's self-insert. Yeah. If I ever write anything and I ever self-insert, it's, it's going to be as a minor character mm -hmm. and it's going to be as a middle-aged, overweight, balding guy. Because <laughs> I'm just going to be like, no, this is, this is, this is, this is what I guess. Yeah, he's gonna have some good lines. <laughs> he's gonna be pretty witty. He's gonna have some funny crap to say. But anyway, as someone who's very guilty of writing a lot of self-insert Mary Sue fanfic as as a, as a wee lass, uh, mood. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I got. That's, that's... Um, but okay, so so that all of that aside, I it is something I think we'll definitely talk about when we do our King of Scars episodes because of the Zoya. Uh, stuff in there but um, yeah it's like pages and pages of like this girl being beautiful this girl being beautiful and in the end it becomes you know the impossible task story and then of course there's the um, uh, uh, oh my gosh ethereal key he's an ethereal key right like he, yeah. He's, yeah, he controls yeah. water yeah. Who, uh, who he's a Grisha who comes in and and he uses the river to accomplish all of the things that like all the tasks that are set before you know, the, the group of suitors. Um, but, you know, of course the, the father keeps saying like, he, he, the father doesn't want this like loser, loser Grisha, you know, this weird looking dude who's like, you know, doesn't have any money and stuff to win. So, uh, you know, he keeps setting hard, more and more difficult tasks. And, um, and in the end, uh, he still, you know, wins, you know, he's still like, like, like does all of them, but, uh, the the river, you know, is is like wait a minute no like I did all of this for you yeah uh, I I like how the twist in this story was essentially the river being like um so you wanted her to be her wife but consider I did the work so now she's my wife my wife my wife <laughs> we had the discussion before about how the river was Borat the whole time. <laughs> Uh, the, the the guy what uh, Simeon uh, is the the Grisha's name, and he's a fool, but he's not particularly good-hearted. He's actually kind of uh, selfish and self-involved, right. uh, which is one of the reasons that this it's cool when the river. But Simeon's like, okay, so I get to marry her, right? And then the river's like, my wife, and <laughs> carries the princess <laughs> off to an island where presumably there is abundant local uh, local fish and fruit and uh just like shows up and uh visits her and isn't like the last illustration on this a picture of like the river taking form and uh 
if you yes. will forgive this, going to kiss the girl. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. That is a reference for a later story, Seth. Come on so, out. Well, so, 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 yeah. The, <laughs> I knew the, it was the, yes. No spoilers. Wait, we're doing spoilers. Never mind. You can oh, go uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't show the art for the last one, but it, it starts with a bow. Uh, it starts with a bow and it grows out and it's, it starts growing out to like candy, which is, you know, obviously the witch. And then it's like frogs and spiders and gingerbread people and a cauldron. Um, and they do all have one, uh, you know, illustration at the end. Um, most of them are pretty kind of self-explanatory, but yeah, this one, the, the, the art around the edges at this one is a little bit weak. It's, it's very much, it's just like the, the waves of the river, um, with or, or the swells of the or whatever with with the little things from the tasks in between like I, I think there's like a wood a piece of wood an a or an axe a mirror um but yeah at the end it is literally the beautiful girl uh being kissed by the the river spirit sort of yeah. what thing. i'm going to assume is a rasalka um but a really powerful one <laughs> and and you know i i um I, the, the, the story, the way the story ends is, is actually very nice, you know, um, in terms of like the, the, the wording of it, it's a good quote. Um, it says, uh, remember that to use a thing is not to own it. And should you ever take a bride, listen closely to her questions in them, you may hear her true name, like the thunder of a lost river, like the sighing of a sea, because I think it is important that throughout all of these tasks, the, the daughter, this beautiful girl just keeps asking, okay, so like, you're going to find me somebody who can chop a bunch of wood, but is he going to be a good husband? You're going to find somebody who can, you know, buy me or make me a good, this, this beautiful, perfect mirror, but is he going to be a good man? Um, I, this isn't the exact wording, but throughout she is asking, she is asking for someone who is going to treat her well. And in the end, she is, she, 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 she has the river and, and she like the river takes her to the seashore and she just lives on her own. Like, and, and doesn't give a shit about the fact that her beauty fades, you know, which is the only thing anybody ever cared about with her in the first place, including her father. He didn't yeah. care about finding her a, a good life mate or whatever. Uh, he cared about what he and could get out of it. Could get from it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And the end he's screwed anyway, which yeah. is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> the guy. But little knife, delightful. I, I want to say that even if some of the side illustrations in some stories are better than the others, and I think, honestly, uh, I think the last story might have the best illustration. Um, the illustrations are gorgeous. Like, oh, yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> They're absolutely beautiful. Top to bottom. Yeah, no, no, there. None of them are like it. Just I, you know, some of them are just more simplistic. I think yeah, than others true. is 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 the deal. Um, but you know, so any other thoughts about Little Knife before we go to the next one, which is probably my second favorite one. Mawas. <laughs> Mawas. Nami's only thought. But yeah, the river was the river was Borat all. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just I, I mean, in the sense that it's it was pranking them the whole time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I just I just want a nice river to marry. Was all? Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? Just, just apparently find a nice river. What? Uh, Maybe well, one day, Nami. Should Maybe take it. <laughs> Post on Craigslist. See what you can get. 
I hear the Shenandoah has a daughter. For marriage. <laughs> so, sorry, um, guys. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Uh, I'm, I'm being asked what I want for dinner. Um, uh, so next we have um, the Soldier Prince, mm -hmm. uh, which is like I said, this is this is my second favorite one. Um, it is the Nutcracker. Uh, mm -hmm. really like the, this is probably the one where there are definitely other elements to the story, but it is very much the nutcracker is like the, the meat and potatoes of the actual tale. Um, so, uh, my dogs are whining in the background. <laughs> um, so it starts with a clocksmith uh, named Drossen, who is, again, very obviously Grisha. He's a fabricator. Um, and, you know, everybody wants him for dinner, but the Zelverhaus family gets him. So he's he basically won. Important to note that while he's being asked by a lot of people to, like, come for dinner and things, he's also real, real fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. He's and a jerk. They're only asking him to come to dinner because he's an amazing fabricator and he creates these amazing like clockwork devices and people are fascinated by it. But he goes to this one family's place and he starts to kind of get into this uh, young woman who is the daughter of the family. And so he makes a, a nutcracker, a clockwork device that he gives to her as a gift, but is really just a spy. Yeah, well, is, it's also, he's straight up trying to groom her through the night. Oh, nightmare. yeah, no, 100,000%. Yeah, it's gross. It's just super gross. P.S., pretty much all the men in these stories are super gross. Yeah, but for the most part. They also tend to be the villains, but whatever. Um, so she has this, uh, so... One, she becomes obsessed with the Nutcracker and essentially doesn't progress mentally beyond the age that she was when uh, she's gifted this thing because she's so obsessed with it. And anytime that she gets too far away from it, she has to like go back and interact with it. And she has this whole ritual where she takes it up to the attic, not creepy at all, no, and talks to it and is like, are you my soldier? Are you my dearest? Are you all these things? And then he takes her away to a magical land. And she wants to, she wants to escape. Uh, yeah. And well, I mean, to be fair, like if I had a doll that's like, hey, every night you go to sleep and you get complete immersive VR fantasy adventures, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to leave this doll behind either. Yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty attached, honestly. Yeah, yeah, valid. That's legit. Uh, but of course, what she doesn't realize is that um, what's his name, Drusen? Drosen, Drosen. It's D R O E S S E. Yeah, it's 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 very Dutch. Has been reporting back to this creepy old man, basically being like, "These are all the things she loves," and. So then he keeps trying to use that to groom her more and get her to fall in love with him. But jokes on him because she's just really in love with the Nutcracker. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, that's what drives me crazy. It's like, so he's trying to get her to be in love with him. But 
Yeah. You should have made a super cute nutcracker is what I'm saying. I guess, yeah. It's like, this isn't a nutcracker. It's a toy maker. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so the nutcracker comes. That's what I imagine he sounds like. He probably didn't because then I don't think anyone would invite him to dinner. But that's in my head. That's what I want. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So the, uh, the nutcracker uh, becomes a real boy. Uh, for a while, and then we get there's a bunch of interesting stuff happening with the Nutcracker becoming a real boy. Because... That's my favorite part. <laughs> Nutcracker and the Rat King are my favorite part of this. Yeah, uh, the Rat King's like, hey, hey man, uh, you know, you're not real, right? Like, <laughs> what this, the fuck, bro? This dude, this dude made you, and the Nutcracker's like, did you have seven heads? <laughs> Wrecking is basically like, yeah, I got tired of that. I'm not, I'm not doing the seven heads thing anymore. I just chopped him off. <laughs> like I was just like existential crisis. Wrecking, like yeah, yes, that, <laughs> like that is the Rat King is just not yeah. <laughs> excellent job. We you did amazing with that with the Rat King, uh, and uh, you know, as we we expect that you know the daughter's going to fall more in love with the Nutcracker, and then the Nutcracker is going to it, it's leading up to perhaps the Nutcracker is going to have to battle the evil sorcerer for you know the the daughter, and what we really get is the Nutcracker discovering things about himself with the brother. <laughs> 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 the, oh yeah, because the brother also falls in love. With the brother's like. Uh, well, I was always wondering. I, I I was wondering about that. Like, is the brother in love with him? Because the brother seems kind of like, I don't know. He seems kind of questionable. Like at first, that's what I thought. Like he's in. He's kind of in love with him. But then the way he like treats him is a little bit like questionable. It's like it's almost like he's teasing him. Like he's like not not in a good way. Like I don't know. I don't know. Am I the only one who was like, just like, okay, so I thought he was in love with him, but then it actually turns out to, in my opinion, that he's kind of like, I don't know, like he's trying to cause trouble. Like he's being a troublemaker. Well, that's interesting. I always thought he was just trifling. I, I always thought he just, just Well, I mean, in, in that case, if he's just trifling, still a, still a trifling, a little troublemaking, a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the brother, in, in, like, from my perspective, showed up and was like, oh, who's this? All right. I don't have any romantic feelings for you, but hey. I don't know. I always got the vibe. Well, always. I've literally only listened to this once. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got the vibe that the brother is uh, is queer and that well, he for sure, yes. does have a thing for the Nutcracker. But also is kind of like a troublemaker. Mm. Yeah, doesn't he throw the nutcracker when like their kids? Doesn't he throw the nutcracker, like take the nutcracker away from the sister and throw him at one point? Or am I just am I making that up now? Um, I don't know. It's I remember, it, her, I remember him taking the nutcracker. I don't remember the throwing, but like I said, only listened to this once so. Not the most reliable narrator. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't remember the throwing per se, but I do just remember that. I mean, I mean, when they take him outside, outside, like it's the brother that really like urges that on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she doesn't so, want to. Yeah, no, I don't think she does. Yeah, because the sister, if if I recall, 
sort of at the end of the story just is like, I'm going to go off and be a free spirit uh, somewhere. Yep. And the brother's like, well, that's great. I'm going to go off and do soldiery things. And the Nutcracker does too after he performs a sort of a Twilight Zone-esque taking Drossen's place. Yes. Yeah, there's like... It would be wonderful. If you've ever seen that old Twilight Zone where the the ventriloquist becomes the mummy, uh, the dummy, and the dummy becomes the ventriloquist, that's what happens. Um, I've seen. I actually think I have. I've seen very little uh, Twilight Zone, but I think I have seen that one. Yeah, and then there's that that weird bit at the ma uh, at the end where the mom like sees the Drossen Nutcracker and is and goes through the same ritual that her daughter did, indicating perhaps that she wants out of her stultifying middle-class life right well and, 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 and that's hard like that's <sighs> yeah that that's Me. that's that's like my biggest thing it's like okay so we get through the whole story and um and again like so like so much nutcracker stuff and 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 like uh you know he the the, the idea it's i i really i think i identify a lot with this story because um of the idea of like feeling like somebody loved you, but really they just loved the person that they wanted you to be and the things they wanted you to give them, mm -hmm. which is how very much how Clara is with uh, the Nutcracker. Uh, so it, it's it's I, I think that's a big part of of my identification with this. You know, so so yeah, for me it's very much that identification with the you know the idea that someone loves you, but like what they really love is like what they, who they want you to be, what they want you to be and what they yeah. want you to do for them or give to them. Um, which is the entire entirety of Clara's quote unquote relationship with the nutcracker. But, you know, thankfully in the end, he gets away from that. You know what I mean? He, he gets mm -hmm. to go live his life. And I, I mean, and this is the one where there was like a moment where I was like, Oh God, no! Is he gonna like retreat back into just being a nutcracker? That's actually like really sad. Yeah, you know that he's gotten this taste of freedom, and he's not gonna get that freedom. Um, you know, and and thankfully he does or whatever. And and Clara sort of becomes like a, I don't what she becomes like a recluse or something, doesn't she? Like, I can't. I, Hang on, I actually have a wiki page up. Let me let me let me quick go take a look. But yeah, the well, I mean, the end of it though, like when, uh, when Drossen, Drossen, however you pronounce his name, tries to, uh, he basically tries to relegate the Nutcracker back to being just a Nutcracker, and in the end, the Nutcracker's like, "Lol's not me, you," and yeah. he gets turned into kind of one of his own creations. Um, it's like a little bit, it's a little bit triumphant knowing that this creeper was trying to like groom this little girl and stuff. Um, but the very ending of the story creeps me out so much. Like, and I, I get the idea of it being like the mom kind of wanting out of her like boring upper class life or whatever. But like, it just weirded me out so much when she starts like speaking to the Drossen doll the same way Clara spoke to the Nutcracker. Like, oh, yeah. are you my yeah. love? Like, oh, I don't know. It just, oh, are you my darling? 
also then is she going to bring Drossen back? Is that what's going to happen now? That or he's that there's going to be a mom shaped nutcracker in there? What's going on? Uh, well, yeah. only if the Rat King is like sub Drossen. Let me tell you how it is. <laughs> well, the nutcracker never would have been able to break free if it weren't for the Rat King being like right. Hey, yeah, which is so fun because like that's a very good twist on. I think if I can, if I'm remembering correctly, because be wrong, I, to be to be to be to be honest. Sorry, I'm so tired. <laughs> to be honest, uh, it's been a long time since I have seen or read the Nutcracker. Um, but the Racking's always the bad guy in that, right? Like, oh yeah. I'm not, yeah. Okay, yeah, like he never. Okay, so so that's a good little twist on the Rat King in the end that I like. Oh yeah, I loved that aspect. Like I said the the one i just i like the way that we take some of these inspirations and twists them yeah yes gives us something completely unexpected but because particularly with the nutcracker this is one of the ones where i felt like it was the closest to the original material yeah and to take something like the rat king and make it so not what it is in the original story so cool and to give yeah. it like th this, is, his whole thing is, I wanted uh, free will, and so my desires of you know doing something more than this masquerade is what broke me free, and then helping guide the Nutcracker out. Great, fantastic, amazing, well done, Lee. Yeah. Also, I I I I am. Now that I like literally read like two sentences from the last couple pages of this story, Clara goes on to pop, to be like a writer. Oh, she that's goes right. on, yeah. yeah, she writes about all of her. So she doesn't she doesn't just waste away or anything. She goes she doesn't get what she wants from the Nutcracker, but she goes on to become an independent person, an independent <laughs> woman who just... independent woman who like runs her own like like she's a writer and she publishes like these fantastical stories. And her brother goes on to be like a, a sailor and explorer. And he's and there his parents are always like, come take over the family business. And he's like, nah, screw off. Foot footnote about Clara, she becomes well known for her her YA fiction, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. but also her erotica. Yes. Oh yeah, not kidding. That's the, that's the good selling. Oh, well, shit. I don't even know if it's YA fiction. I think she becomes rich and popular because of children's stories, yeah. but she has like a pen name under she has which a side she, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? So this She's is got actually, Anne Rice type story. Like this is this story definitely has its like sad points like with with that whole clara and the nutcracker thing and 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 the whole idea again of of you know somebody wanting you to be yeah the, 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 it's got its sad points but and and also i'm still i'm still convinced that frederick is a little bit of a creeper like he's like it's just a little bit of a he's just toying with people and i don't like it but they both go off and do their own things and live their own lives and the nutcracker lives his life as a something or other I can't remember. I, but, I think he is the soldier, isn't he? He's just like I, I think he might be, yeah. yeah. And and um that's one thing that's like hard to see in this, these last couple of pages. But um but yeah, the 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 very it's like, oh, so you've got this happy ending, but then at the very end, creepy little Drossen doll is like I don't even know what's oh ew, I don't like it at all. The art on this one is actually probably my favorite though. Uh th this one in and Ayama other than the last story, which also has amazing art, um, like I didn't want to get into that, but like top three is definitely like I would say number three is Ayama, 
and the Thornwood. This one, because it starts off with just a guy in a top hat and like, then it goes to the cabinet where the nutcracker oh, is yeah. kept on the other side. And then at the very end, it is the, um, it's just this whole, it's this whole story. It's, I mean, it's the nutcracker standing in front of the cabinet where he used to be, but you still like, and, and yeah, it's, it's the art in this one is, is just really, really, really good. Like, it, cause you get all the toys and at the bottom you get like the rat King and his minions and everything. It's just, it's, it's, it's high quality. I love it. Um, all right. All right. So who, any, any last thoughts about, uh, what is it called? The Soldier Prince before we, Soldier Prince, right? Yeah, Soldier yeah. Prince before yeah. we move on to the last story. No. No? Uh -uh. All right. Well, this one is When Water Sang Fire, which is very much inspired by The Little Mermaid. Yes. Uh, you could actually say that it's literally just a prequel to it's it's literally it's, it's literally uh yeah it's, it's a prequel, prequel. Uh, it's it, it's it is the uh the wicked of little mermaid it yes. is the wicked yes. of little mermaid. it really is yes. and to be honest like and to be honest i feel like this could have been fleshed out into an entire novel yeah, oh, I don't like, and, and, and as, as stories go, we were talking about this, we've been talking about this the past couple of days and about which was the longest. And this one is by far the longest. It's oh, yeah. I, at some point, the pages stop being numbered in my book, but like, here's the other, this is the other five or six stories. And this is the last one. Yeah. It is like yeah. almost a quarter of the book. So um, it's called When Water Sang Fire. It's very much a Little Mermaid prequel. Um, and, and as Nami said, it is the Wicked of the Little Mermaid. So for those of you who somehow don't know Wicked, even after all these years, it is Ursula. It is essentially, or, yeah. No Wicked. <laughs> yeah. First of all, read the actual book by Gregory Maguire. Yes. The, musical, the musical is amazing. Um, I feel like, I, I actually enjoy the musical more because I feel like it, it tells just a more like, I don't know. The story it tells is better. It's it's it's, it's more positive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which is weird because normally I would be the opposite. I really loved Wicked, the book, as a standalone novel. But then there was like Son of a Witch, which was eh. And then there was the one about the Cowardly Lion. Yeah, I, I can't I didn't remember. I read the other two. I only read Wicked. Yeah. They are different enough in that the musical takes the basic concept of Wicked and makes it a more different but more happier ending story. Whereas Wicked just, the book is just, it ends like one of these fairy tales. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, Wicked is um, the musical is is just more palatable for the general population. Let's be real, <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in a bad way because I enjoy the musical so much, like so much. Uh, oh, I, love it. I literally the reason the Wicked comparison was right in my head today was because I was like belting to Defying Gravity in the car yeah. on my drive. Oh, don't we and, all though do that yes, sometimes? We all do. Yeah, no, I made like oh, I made like three different like, Wicked gravity? parallels by accident, like. I don't know if you guys have watched. I don't know if you guys have watched The Untamed, but I was like, "Oh man, The Untamed is basically wicked as well. Like everything's uh -huh. really wicked." <laughs> I no, I haven't watched The Untamed. What? Uh, well, I'll look it up later. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So 
Yeah, we're getting um, long in the tooth here. We should uh, wrap this yeah, thing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and I know Which, this one's going to take a bit. So, yeah, so uh, now, I also, just to put this out there before we really dig in deep, I think that technically the Darkling story, it maybe not inspired is the right word, but it's certainly part of it. Um, at one point, the apprentice, uh, who is a essentially like a apprentice of like, of like a... a, a sorcerer or whatever tells the main character Ula there's no magic that can make them love you and in another Grishaverse book the Darkling is quoted as saying something along the lines of there's no amount of power that can make them love you so uh, one thing to actually throw in here um I don't know if this I, I'm pretty sure this is official though that it is confirmed that this is the Darkling in the story I, I figured it oh, was yeah, yeah I mean so it's it's confirmed that this is the Darkling, and it's also um, Ula's mother is the Darkling's mother, so they're half siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so wait, so Bagra, Bagra is Ula's mother as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's okay. that is you know. I wasn't sure if confirmed. it was confirmed, but it was like that one line. It was like I mean, clearly this is him, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's yeah, totally no, like, him. Like, that's I, definitely him. And like this whole like insights about like oh like I know all these the secrets of power and the nature of people. Yeah. It, if if I if I can have a brief digression, I keep it brief. Um, I got the language of thorns by entering a contest where they're like we will give away free copies of this book because well, hey. lee bardugo was not on my radar and then i read it and i fell in love with it and then i read the first trilogy and i was very surprised because they're nothing alike but no, no, having <laughs> having come back to and in my opinion the language of thorns is better than the first trilogy but um oh, having, no. yep. well, yeah because it's later on in her writing career she's a better yeah. writer mm. Yeah, I yeah. would say, by the way, so oh, yeah, so if you want to lead, read Lee Bardugo things, read Six of Crows. Oh, Six I didn't know. I have. I have. I have. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. And, well, and, and um, also, I think, like, this is this just, Seth, because this is the first one you've been on, first webcast you've been on where we actually talked about the Grishaverse, because uh, yeah. the last one was just a random Christmas one. Um our 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 little uh thing is hashtag we love growth in this house yeah yes definitely so yes, so yeah. this is very much like this is yeah it's very much like lee bardugo's growth as a writer after that first trilogy it's it's been pretty insane yeah, like, yeah. Um, but having having read this first since read five of the other grisha books uh and then having come back to read this again i'm like oh no that's darkly that's who, yeah. that's who that is right there. That's that guy. That's, uh, that is that guy, indeed. But yeah, yeah, so one of the one of the like confirmed things is that Ula is the Darkling's half sister. Okay. And like okay. part she of her, yeah, and, so like, she's part of her extraordinary abilities is like presumed because she is some sort of Grisha as well. So it's it's sort of like implied that she has you know the mermaid magic. And then the human Grisha magic as well. Right. She's got like she's double magic, which is why she can do what she does. Uh, yeah. So Those she poor is fortunate souls. <laughs> <laughs> also, like straight up, if I had time in my life, I was going to dress up as Ula for this. But like, oh, have have you guys seen the video where Titus Burgess sings "Poor Unfortunate Souls"? 
Oh God, yes. Oh, no. is, if you go, go is watch it. Like, go, go, oh. go watch it. Anyway, um, what a king, right? Yeah, he's or great. queen, however, however he would like to be, to be described. Yeah. Um, well, and this is the, another one where I was saying the art is amazing because like it starts off as like the two mermaids, Ula and what's the other one's name? Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Signy, 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 Signy. No, she's Ariel's mother. Oh, you said yeah. Ariel's mom. Ariel's, yeah, Ariel's mother. Signy and, and Ula on either side. And it progresses like when they, when they become human, because by the way, this is a point in the story where uh, it is still allowed, I guess. I, I, because you know, obviously, well, when, when we get to the actual Little Mermaid story, nobody, no mermaids are like becoming human anymore. But so then it shows them as humans on opposite sides of the spectrum. Which, by the way, when Ula is a mermaid, she's considered kind of ugly. But when she becomes a human, she's beautiful. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's sort of they they have like the the initial plot is just how good of a singer and how good. Ula and Signy are at singing and how powerful right. their magic is. And then second part of the story is Mermaid Rumspringa. Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> yes. Accurate. So, this, yes. It's a perfect way to describe it. I love it. Yeah. So like basically, yeah, for some reason, somebody doesn't know what Rumspringa is. It's basically yeah. like when Mormons go out into the real world. Amish. The Amish. Amish, the Amish. 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 Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mormons are a whole other thing. Mormons oh. are the ones that like can't drink caffeine or wear anything but white underwear or something. <laughs> That's a that's a yeah, whole podcast. We should not get into this breakdown. <laughs> I made the mistake of bringing that up. I apologize. <laughs> it's the Amish. The Amish go out into the like technological world and experience that for a little bit, and then come back. Yeah, yeah and it's it's one of those things that like only royalty is allowed to do this, and Ula and Signy are like chosen because they sing the prettiest songs and have the best song magic, and. Like and our BFFs with the prince. And our BFFs That's with the prince. Important. And the prince yeah. essentially decides to take them with him because he thinks that he'll be able to like use their magic to bring back something cool. Yeah. From Which will then make him king. Because, yes. Yeah, because yeah, the king is, is giving up his throne to one of his sons. And usually it would go to the eldest son. But in if they bring back a better gift, a younger son can then jump the line. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think a really, so I think this story truly starts off the most deceptively nice. And I think the first time you really get like the creepiness in it is when you get like the process of the mermaids, like becoming human. Cause like it's violent and disgusting cause they yeah. literally take out special knives and cut their tails in half. And yeah, no, like, like Tara's making this whole face right now and it's like disgusted and horrified. And I feel that on a visceral level because to me, the scariest thing is the idea of any sort of leg injury. So this Ooh. was oh, just- wow. Oh, as a runner, me too. Yeah, like, this is just- That's very, like my biggest nightmare is like my legs getting screwed up and I can't run Yeah, anymore. this was just very viscerally <laughs> upsetting to me. And I just, oh, I, oh, just the sheer like- gross creepy cringe factor and the fact that they're all like so like super chill like yeah this is what we do just like uh cut your tail nap like, let's let's fucking go time to party bitches and i was like <laughs> it was that plus the spewing fire to the point where you like can't really speak anymore mm -hmm. and corrupting your own gift that like yeah, those two moments really did it, it for was, me. 
Well, no, I think what really did it for me is because I, because like I knew the princess betrayal was coming. I knew that something was going to oh, horribly, well, yeah. right? Yeah, I read he was the questionable stories. He like, a, he's a man, so fuck that. Yeah. B, he's a prince, so fuck that. Extra fuck that. C, he's, he's not so a entitled white privileged motherfucker, so fuck that. Also, uh, D, he's not a furry prince, so clearly he's oh, not good. what? Yeah. Only the furry well, he is like a scaling prince, though. Nope, so. not furry. Although to be fair, in the first story, in Ayama and the Thornwood, the his older brother, the prince, he actually wasn't that bad. He oh, was, no, he, no, he, no, he was, yeah. he was fine. Yeah, he was he, just kind of he was a little feckless. He was um, a little bit he was a little bit complicit, but like not a bad like overall like no, guy. Was, but yeah, no this this whole thing is just very much he, like he was furniture. Yeah, yeah, and also I just like at the end like. Especially, you know, I, I I know the actual Little Mermaid story, but this is very much the Disney. This is very much the basis for the Disney Little Mermaid story. Yeah. The actual Dutch Little Mermaid story is just. Look, Hans Christian oh Andersen as a writing of children's fables basically got high and then got mean. Every <laughs> time. <laughs> Every time. Well, so. um. There's there's a Little Mermaid anime that tells like the actual I think it's like 19 it was late 1980s 88 or 89 maybe it was when I was a kid yo this stuff no no 89 was was Disney Little Mermaid um no it was earlier than that 70s maybe like 75 79 it, it, whatever it was like an anime version and this this was like the actual little mermaid story and i saw that before i saw the disney little mermaid so like oh yeah because it came out before that so i saw i was so little yeah. i should not have been watching that there were like animated boobs and stuff but um oh, Japan. i know right but like uh so, so this is definitely though the as far as I'm concerned, this is definitely the little actual, like the Disney version of the little mermaid, like Ursula or origin story. And, and it's just like, it's about 10 shades darker though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like the little mermaid, the Disney little mermaid, but well, because like in the end, but is the, it 50 the, shades darker? Oh, no. Kick him out of the stream, Terry. <laughs> yeah, I deserve that. That's the, fair. That's, that was so good, though. The prince, whose name is Roth, like he becomes Triton and he's like so bad. Yeah. Like, oh, he's, he's awful. He's, he's, we'll talk about how awful in just a minute. Hang on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that like it really goes to show that you don't really know the backgrounds of any characters in a given story. And depending on how you rewrite the story around it, it can completely yeah. recolor the ways of those characters. And even if the character were written as a truly good character, by giving yourself a different background story, even that truly good character can become a bad character, like a bad person. And it's, yeah. it's wild to think about it because you know, if I went from reading this into watching The Little Mermaid, I would have been like, Triton, that bastard, poor unfortunate souls. Yeah, let's go. Let's fuck them up. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think, like, the most jarring thing for, for me in this story, though, was, like, I knew that Signe was going to betray her. Or rather, I knew that Signe was going to be complicit in hurting yeah. her in some way. She was and, getting set up. Yeah, right, and that, I think yeah. I think the most shocking part is, well, first of all, like she literally spews fire and burns herself, like, like yeah. 
to a crisp, which is just horrifying on a basic level. Extra horrifying because they are creatures of water. And this is like yeah. completely the antithesis of everything. And then like the like the like visceral pain of her singing herself back together, like oh, that. Geez. I but like I wasn't expecting that ending. Or rather, I need to say, for this story, I was a bit spoiled, as in I am part of the Discord community that like adores Ula because Ula is the bomb.com. And mm-hmm. so therefore I already knew how the story ended, but as I was reading it, I was like, where where do we go from here to she survives? Because I don't like even yeah. knowing objectively what happened, it still surprised me how it happened. And I was like, Arr! and like the visceral like body horror of that moment was just ugh. So, well, I mean, because the whole thing of, is that her her knife that she used to slice her fin, like it's not supposed to touch human flesh or like any flesh but yeah. her own either, mm-hmm. and and so that is the knife that Roth, that Dick, yeah. uses to kill the random page that he like lies and says is a murderer, uh, you know, and and he just yeah the 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 levels of betrayal in this go so fucking deep and then you get to the end and she buries that whole like to catch everyone up if you have not read the story and we recommend that you do yes um why are you listening to us if you haven't but everyone while while ralph is is out there trying to figure out like basically he doesn't really have much of an idea about what he wants to bring his dad it's just something really great um and it's actually if i remember right it's the apprentice who's like yeah you take him fire and ula's like i i can't bring fire underwater and the apprentice is like yeah you probably could yeah there's a here you go here's here's how you do it roth is like he comes up with the idea and then goes to the apprentice to understand to get, how she could do it to get yeah, to figure sorry, out how she could do it going. but yeah but Ralph is like oh yeah no 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 help me do this and I'll marry Signy and it was like what are you gonna tell me you're gonna marry me he's like no I'm not no no I'm not I'm it's not like that between us but you can be first singer well no I I don't you think it have is more power. she doesn't he, no. Yeah, she doesn't want him. Like, like that's the thing. Like, he knows exactly how to manipulate her. Yeah. He knows yeah. that that's one of the fucked up things about it, actually. Yeah, yeah he knows that Signy wants him, and not only that, he then plays Signy. Oh, it's yeah. awful. Like he plays Signy so that she believes that he is in love with her, and Ula's like, "Well, I can't." So Signy convinces Ula to help Raf. Rafe, yeah. uh, whatever. Rafe, it's Rafe, but Rafe's but yeah, I, it might as well be Rafe. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and and I mean that's the thing. Like like Signy doesn't even really have to convince Ula because the it is Rafe that convinces her really yeah. because he he, he treats power and legitimacy. He, he, he well he he gives her he he's going to give her that legitimacy that she wants. She he's going to make her first singer, which is the only thing that she really wants. And he's also going to marry her best friend who she knows is in love with him. And then on to, to, to really like cement that he acts like he is in love with Signe. Yeah. So that well, she the- falls deeper for him. And, and Ula knows that she can't just like give that up. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing that really fucks with me. Right. Is she knows that she fucks up basically. She she tells him about what how how fire can exist underwater, and she expects him to be like, "Oh, that's horrible," because it involves sacrificing a human. 
And he's like, oh, no, I'm totally into this because it will make me king. And then he talks all these pretty words about what he can give her. But what she latches on to is being the, like, favored singer. And then he also realizes that she wants to make Signe happy and that what she he knows that how Signe feels about him. And so then she like leaves that whole thing going, I know what he's going to do. He's going to get Signe to fall in love with him because he, he makes it clear at the end of that conversation, he doesn't really love Signe, yeah. but he's, he will absolutely do this in order to get what he wants. Yeah. And then he starts seducing Signe and Ula knows like, well, I'm done now. Like I have to do this. And that's what's so fucked up about it. There's also a very strong, I'm going, there's some very strong uh, lesbian undertones in this story to my mind. Like, I think Ula definitely is romantically interested in Signe and just doesn't have the vocabulary for that yet. Eh, I truly yeah. didn't see that. And I see gay in everything. Yeah. So there's, to me- There's definitely, they, she, they talk- explicitly about like being in bed together and doing things together uh i'm not sure that i would say like explicitly lesbian but i would say that there are there is a a a love between them that is something more than just what we would consider platonic love you know i i never read them i never read it as ula like pining for her or being in love with her but I read it as like sort of like platonic soulmates in a sense. Like like that Ula loved her so much that she wants whatever is best for her and whatever she wants. And like, I know that can also like be romantic, but in this, like in a very weird, I don't know, man, now that I think about it, it's really weird that I didn't read romance into this. It I is honestly, because I, I, I think I, there is some like explicit, like that they, they did some non-platonic things together. Yes. And now I'm like so confused exploration. I would yeah, call they definitely it, did I like would, some exploration. I would call it exploration between two friends who are very close to each other. But I never felt that I never felt that Ula was like jealous of Sydney's no. love for no. Roth necessarily. Like it was, it was, it was like she she was totally fine with and and I'm like that's the thing, like Ula might not. I, I don't think Ula is straight necessarily because I, I actually, to be honest, oh, I would I say she's, I no, I would say she's asexual. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, 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 think why I didn't read romance into it because yeah. I read Ula as very ace, but obviously that's, you know, a bit of a fallacy. Just so she might ace. also be like, she yeah. might also be like Demi, you know, where she feels, mm-hmm. she feels romantic feelings towards this person that she cares about, but has yeah. no like sexual attraction or, or yeah, sexual like need. I think like the thing that I kind of, the trap that I sort of fell into here is that just because somebody is ace doesn't mean they're aromantic. And I yeah. think I read Ula as both ace and aromantic. And I think that was just, you know, a me specific thing versus what it actually was. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I never really thought that there was like some sort of like, oh, that like Ula is like in love with her or vice versa. Um, like I said, I I do I think there might have been some like exploration things 
yeah, probably like the the way they talk about being in bed together and stuff. It doesn't really always seem completely yeah, I think, platonic. I think, the way, I think my reasoning was I saw zero pining. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. So this is another question we need to ask Lee. It's like, what yep. was, was the data cannibal? And <laughs> yeah, was the data cannibal? And is what I was like, I definitely I'm like curious. Like I, I see it. Like logically, I see it. But to me, there was like zero pining, and to be a lesbian and not pine makes no logical sense in my brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the brand. I'm, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Like, like you like girls, you're gonna pine hopelessly, and then never speak to her for years about it, and then I don't know. You'll be like immortal vampires, and your long lost love letter will end up. In I a mean, to be house. to be honest, I'm just really hoping that I'm not like I've not been wrong in my like assumption that Ula was asexual because like I really like that. You know, like I like that. I, I don't know. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, hey, listen. I, like, she's she's a she's a badass sea octopus now. Um, she clearly don't need no man. Um, or woman. She just got her, her eels. Well, her the the flotsam and jetsam, right? Yeah, yeah. But she yeah. doesn't really need them. Like they're just her henchmen. They're her husband. Yeah. 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 husband. yeah, no, she's 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 she likes the company, you know, that's all. Like being ace doesn't mean you don't want like the company of other people uh, by she any means. Like be an introvert though. <laughs> Let me be very clear. I am not asexual. I just know many people who identify that way and just having, you know, talked to them and learned what, you know, what their like needs and and desires for lack of a better word are like I, I just I yeah I I I and I I, I actually really hope that Ula is actually ace because I feel like that just again the representation and and good representation too because let's be real like throughout all of this like Ula is actually like even when the kid gets murdered she like thought they were like hurting somebody who's gonna die like who's gonna hang anyway and then after she realizes that wasn't the case she feels terrible like the worst thing she does is like you like use her anger to get her um Bins back for, for lack of a better word and she like buries the, the or, or you know floods the the town the city whatever that they were they'd been like living in or for those few months um but i mean I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. Like the, the the very end of this story is literally like Signy marries Roth. They have six children, all girls, and the youngest one has the flame red hair of her mother, yeah. and or em, I'm sorry, bright ember hair is the way it's described. And like she knows that they're going to be cursed. And I, I think the sad thing is we don't really like we never. I, I don't know if we hear about Sydney dying like like Roth stays loyal to her like it, it like it turns out like I think that's sort of like maybe Bar Lee Bardugo's way of like uh god I gotta make this guy seem like a little bit less awful because like everybody's gonna anybody also knowing what her like what who her audience is like she has to know that 90% of her audience knows the Disney Little Mermaid, like the back of oh, her yeah. hand. So, you know, she, oh, Roth stays loyal to Signy. Maybe he really did love her and uh, whatever. And and I, I, I don't know, like they, they, they don't go to the, they don't do the Rumspringa anymore. Um, well, because one of the things that Ula did, in addition to singing her legs 
back well not back into fins exactly but singing herself back into an aquatic form which she sang the city well, she Nami sings the terrible. city down, but she doesn't. <laughs> oh my god, she sings the city down, but she. I don't think. I hope to God she didn't destroy the poor people. Yeah, like I think he assumed murder. Those northern yeah. people that like helped them. Yeah, I assumed murder. Yeah, I. I. Wow. I, I would murder too. Yeah. yeah I, I, well, I, I don't think she was feeling. I assumed yeah. murder as a side effect of unbridled rage, not intentional yeah. murder. But yeah, like, yeah, not like I'm going to murder degree? these people. But so, what would that be? Second degree, third degree. <laughs> yeah, no, man, it was it was unplanned, Country. unintentional murder. But it was also um, murder, so like, ugh, unclear. But yeah, like she knows that the the daughters are of, of Signe and Roth are going to find their way to her in time, and like she, uh, you know, she lives in the like off the coast uh, in these caves underwater and like waits for the lonely the ambitious the clever the frail all of the all those willing to strike a bargain and it's just it's uh, so uh you know also like, like I, I need to write a fanfic where ariel meets ula and it's just like oh shit you're my long lost aunt basically oh but you're really neat i'm sorry my dad sucks let's be friends and then ula adopts ariel and everybody's happy I mean, this is why I'm telling you, like, I feel like Lee Bardugo could take this last story and, like, really flesh it out and give it more dialogue and everything. And, like, I think you could, but I don't think you should. Yeah, that's probably true. What we need is a musical. Yes. Yes. I will take a musical. Uh, Because it's literally about um, music. What do you call it? You can call it evil. So yeah, so that's that's the last story. Also, I do want to say, like, on the back of this book, it says I it's gonna be backwards, I think. Yeah. But it says uh love speaks in flowers, truth requires thorns. So yeah. uh I, I just I I was a, I was kind of disappointed in Lives of the Saints because I expected something more like this with some really like fleshed out beautiful stories mm-hmm. and that's not what we got but we'll talk about that uh, next month. Um, but you know yeah this 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 book is it's not just beautiful in terms of the storytelling. I mean like the cover of it even like without the without the mm-hmm, dust cover yeah. is beautiful. The art inside is beautiful. Like I oh. if you're a Greeshiverse fan and you do not own a physical of a copy of this book you should. Yeah, I know we talked a little bit about the art in uh, when Water Sang Fire, but at the end, when things are going to shit, uh, oh, you have yeah. those images of, of Ula and Sydney as humans, and they are gradually covered by rising smoke. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's very... I mean, and also the the last picture is Ula that's as fantastic. That's you know, that's what I'm gonna. That's Ursula my as we know her. Yep. Now she's skinny. She's skinny, but um, I I mean I don't know. Okay, I, that, you know that, that that makes logical sense. Like women tend to gain, gain weight as they age. Like this is yeah, this is very true. We, we all do. It tracks. 
mama, mama could like barely like work out and eat whatever she wanted and be like 130 pounds when she was oh, 16. Man. But now yeah. it's I like literally gained 40 pounds in the last four years. And I'm like, mm, well, I guess, I guess we're just going up. Uh, yeah. Dean's Dean's youngest was like, how many times a day do you work out three? And I was like, I mean, I walk my dogs twice a day and then I work out and he was like, yeah, but the other times count as working out too. And I was like, I mean, I don't think so. But like, also I want to be able to eat whatever I want. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we've, we've decided Ursula has mom bod. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Or, yes. I mean, not even mom bod. She wasn't a mom, but like just middle-aged woman bod, well, man. I mean, Embrace I'm not a dad, it. but I've got dad. Well, yeah. Like, like in, in the way that uh, there's that dad bod. Yeah. There was that dad bod thing on the internet. Would she that mean that she was specifically referring to mom body language? All right. Yes. Yeah. We've been at this almost two hours, but this was, I, I, I actually, I should have known we would talk this long about this because there's so yeah. many stories in here and yeah. they're so good, but yeah. thank you guys so much for joining. Um, Again, for anybody who's listening to this as a podcast, like uh, definitely buy the physical copy of this book yes. if you don't have it because yep. the art is beautiful. Uh, or also check out the webcast version where I've shown off a little bit of the art, but probably not well because I'm like just holding up a book trying to like fit it into a little screen. But all right. Well, thank you guys for joining and discussing this yeah. lovely book. And uh, we'll see everybody back in two weeks, which is the 17th, February 17th, Wednesday, February 17th. King of Scars. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be so much to discuss, and hopefully, we won't spoil anything from. Will I have my Zoya cosplay by then? Uh, Probably not. No. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like have to read time. the book before I listen to the podcast. <laughs> you do have to read it because the next, the last one, Rule of Wolves, is coming out at the end of March. So I have it pre-ordered. Yeah, me too. Right. Me too. Well, obviously, because yeah. this. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Have a lovely night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.